Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. You know, God is our Father who loves us unconditionally, and He wants our human fathers to reflect that same love for their children. But sadly, husbands and fathers in polygamy rarely model that kind of love. Before we get started on this show, we do want you to know that we do help people leave polygamy, and we want you to know that God will never be angry at anyone for getting away. We can talk to you in a private, confidential conversation if you want to call our toll-free number. It's 877-425-9993 and you can also go to our website shieldandrefuge.org for more information about our ministry. You can contact us about our shows or if you would like to be a guest on our show by emailing us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Also, audio versions of our program are available to download. You can go to our main page uh, website or you can go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis for information on how to do that and you also need to know that our show is available on iTunes podcast. This is the final show of a three-part interview that we have been having with Anna LeBaron, a daughter of the infamous polygamous leader, Erval LeBaron. She grew up in a polygamous family. She has over 50 siblings. Her dad had over or had 13 wives. And we have been discussing the books that's recently been published that she just wrote and it's called entitled The Polygamous Daughter. So I would like to introduce and Welcome back for our third broadcast with Anna LeBaron. Thanks again for being here and for sharing. Thank you, Doris. I know sharing can sometimes be difficult and emotional, but you Mm -hmm. shared a lot in your book, and Mm -hmm. you shared some very good information that a lot of people will find extremely interesting. Where can Mm -hmm. they find your book? Um, On my website, AnnaLeBaron.com, there is um, listings of the retailers and the online stores where my book is available, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target.com and Walmart.com. Mm-hmm. Different booksellers and retailers have it. Great. And they can email you at Anna at AnnaLeBaron.com. Okay. If they have any. And then on social media, it's Anna K. LeBaron. Okay. For Facebook. Facebook, like Twitter, Instagram. Okay. Great. Well, um, I'm sure that, w- that the people who buy your book and read it will be just fascinated by your story. It's a good story, and I'm glad you've, you've taken the time to share it. So let's get started on the final of, of our interviews. Okay. Uh, chapter 31, it goes mm-hmm. into your bouts of depression that you mm-hmm. went through, mm-hmm. and it was part of your healing process, actually. Maybe mm-hmm. you didn't know it at the time, but it actually ended up being that way. Right. What happened, and what process did you go through to come out of your depression, and did you get professional help? Well, in Chapter 31, um, I talk about when <coughs> my sister, excuse me, <coughs> that was the the one that helped step in and helped raise me when I escaped. Mm -hmm. And um, she, her husband had been killed. And then seven months later, um, she committed suicide. And even though so many people in my family had died, um, it was her death that 
finally was the proverbial straw. Yeah. And I fell into a very deep, dark depression. I was, I was sleeping 20 hours a day and, you know, just couldn't get enough sleep mm -hmm. and, and really didn't feel didn't life want, inside didn't of me want at all. To face the, all that it was doing, right? It was a very difficult time. Mm -hmm. And it was a friend of mine that um, kind of saw what was happening and reached out in, in some circumstances that I describe in the book in more detail. Um, she was the one who kind of pulled me, tugged me along and, and took me to some events that she had, that we, we had planned to go to together, but that I was saying I didn't want to attend, yeah. just because I didn't feel like having fun, mm -hmm. because I was in a depression. Right, exactly. So when, when she was able to uh, kind of bully me, <laughs> it's a little bit funny story, and, and even though the, the circumstances are very heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, she got me to go with her, and it was during that experience that I realized that I wasn't dead on the inside, mm -hmm. the way I felt. Yeah, yeah. And that began the process of coming out of that depression. And it wasn't overnight. Right. It took time. It takes time. And takes time. I didn't get um, professional help at that time. The professional help came mm -hmm. a little bit later mm -hmm. under some other circumstances. Yeah, and we'll talk about that, Babina, as well. You know, it's often difficult for males and females from polygamy groups to deal with male-female relationships because they've never had it modeled. Mm -hmm. They've never had uh, healthy male-female relationships modeled to them growing up. That seems to have been true in your case. You got mm -hmm. married, you met a man, you got married, you started a family, and then mm -hmm. cracks started in your relationship. Mm -hmm. What happened? Well, we were... Um, both he and I came from very difficult uh, families of origin, broken homes, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have what the skills, and we weren't equipped right. to um, create a safe space for our love to grow. And so that was, um, those things were evidenced and became, well, became known very early, early on in our relationship, though we did... Um, do our best to make it work. Uh, 17 years into mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. um, was the final. Um, and I think that's one of the problems. Of course, any marriage can do this, but especially with polygamy groups, there's not a good modeling of, mm -hmm. of a healthy marriage relationship at all between a man and a woman and, and those children. And you were blessed with a good therapist mm -hmm. uh, after reading the book and what mm -hmm. happened. She helped you pull back the layers like an onion yes. um, of experiences that were causing the upheavals mm -hmm. in yes. your relationship. You asked the question, again, I don't know what pages they are in the final book, but they're on pages 251 and 52, and I want to quote them. You said, what woman of sound mind can wholeheartedly deal with her husband having sex with other women on a regular basis when a powerful narcissistic man manipulates multiple women into marrying him mm -hmm. and sharing him with their sister wives? They learn to cope with the sheer lunacy of it by compartmentalizing their emotions. Suddenly, so many aspects of my life crystallized. Why my mom never cried? Why she always defended my father? Why she obeyed him without question? Question. Mm -hmm. I had been raised to act the same way. Mm -hmm. God was obviously working with you at this time to help you understand your mother. I know he did that with me. Mm -hmm. there, there was a lot of healing I had to do with my thinking of my own mother until when I finally realized what she had gone through. Right. And she thought she was doing it all for God. Right. 
the, that same experience is what I have with my own mother. She still is in a polygamist community and believes in the practice. And so, you know, to this day, it's still confusing to me how she can stay and how she can still believe that. Mm -hmm. However, she, you know, you can't change someone's mind that doesn't want it changed. Exactly. And so, you know, we've agreed to disagree when we speak about our different um, theolo right. theological differences. And you talked earlier about you had to relearn um, or unlearn. Yes. You know, and mm -hmm. you had been taught to act the same way. Mm -hmm. And you had to unlearn that, especially from the female role. Right. We were, we were taught and groomed and raised to um, be quiet, submissive, and sweet and kind and uh -huh. not have any kind of negative emotions, anger or jealousy or any type of emotion that was negative mm -hmm. was very much discouraged. Mm -hmm. And you were taught to kind of squelch that and Especially when it. you're being groomed to be a plural wife, because right. that's what plural wives are supposed to do. And so we grew up not having um, the wide range of human expression, mm -hmm. negative and positive emotions. Or to even how express yourself. That's right. one problem I, I've always had is expressing myself yeah. properly because I never well, I was never yeah. able to to learn how to do that. Well I'm pretty expressive now. You're doing a <laughs> and, wonderful job here, I can tell. And you. so all of this was always inside of yeah. me. And so it was um, pressed down and held down for a long time. And now that I have found my voice and, and have a voice and have a choice mm -hmm. to be able to express myself, it's, it's a really it good great, feeling. Isn't it mm -hmm. great? How important is the self-care process for, for, for total and deep healing? I believe self-care is really important. <laughs> Just being able to take care of your mind, your body, your soul, your soul needs and your heart needs. Mm -hmm in ways that are healthy and good, that allow you expression, that allow you to um, even take time intro, in, inside introspecting mm -hmm. about your life and you know choices and things that have happened. And taking the time to go talk to a counselor, to talk to a friend or a pastoral type person, yes. a minister type person, mm -hmm. um, that's all part of self-care. And it, is, it was an important part of my healing journey. Um, one of the things that I did and one of the practices I had was journaling mm -hmm. and, and taking time to write and, and chronicle things that were happening and thoughts that I was having and questions that I had. And, and I called it prayer journaling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, And one of the problems, especially I think, again, for females that come out of a polygamy situation is that we were never supposed to focus on ourselves. We weren't supposed to take care of ourselves. We had to work for the group or for mm -hmm. the husband or mm -hmm. for whatever what, whatever their agenda was. Mm -hmm. We couldn't have an agenda. Right. It, it had to be all for them and, oh, and yeah. we couldn't do self-care. No. So I, I'm it's glad discouraged. you brought that up. <laughs> The next part is extremely important, and I want to spend some quality time discussing what happened. And again, I'm going to quote from page 251 of the book, or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. And you said, obviously, my dad didn't protect me. But even more than that, he didn't care about any of his children or our well-being. He actually put us in harm's way. He allowed others to demean and abuse me and to treat me like a slave. He gave orders to have us sent to Mexico and allowed me to be groomed for sexual abuse and for an eventual marriage. Jeanette helped me explore how that abandonment and lack of fatherly provision and protection still affected me. 
Now, I'm assuming that Jeanette was your therapist. Yes. And she had the wisdom to get in there and just go back into it. hurts when you go in there, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yes. It, it is painful, but it has to be done. It has to be exposed. Oh, it took a long time. <laughs> Five years, as a matter of fact, uh -huh. where I was able to begin to learn to talk about what happened, first of all. Just you're raised to not talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then to just all of a sudden have the freedom to to say what happened, to tell the truth about what happened, and to give expression to the very wide range of emotion, often negative. Yes, and that, that, then that kept emotion inside. can roll up the, like a roller coaster <laughs> oh too gosh, some of the time. It, it was um, a harrowing experience mm -hmm. when the emotion would come and I, and I wasn't used to expressing it. And so there were times when I would begin to cry about you know, and grieve some of the, the very real losses that we had experienced. Yes. And it was just overwhelming. Yes. And it took me a long time to be comfortable crying and grieving the very real losses. And yet that's so cleansing and so mm -hmm. healing when that can happen. When, it, when, the, when, I call, when the dam finally broke. Yes. And, and I was able to finally have, give full expression to the grief mm -hmm. of being raised essentially fatherless. Yeah. I didn't think I would ever stop crying. Yeah. I, I understand. I remember the, when the day the dam broke with me as well. And, but it was my, my pivot point in the healing process. Mm -hmm. and the, from then on, I'd kind of been then mellow, uh, you know, leveled out, but then I started really healing right. after and that And one point. of the things that was really important that my therapist helped me understand was that um, you've already lived through the experience. Whatever it was that happened didn't kill you. <laughs> and when you go back and relive it in, in a very safe environment, right. like a counselor's office, right. um, the reliving it won't kill you either. And it won't. And you know what, Anna, I discovered also that after I became a Christian, that healing came from the love, the deep love mm -hmm. cradled in the arms of Jesus. And that, mm -hmm. that itself was probably helped me heal mm -hmm. faster and better than anything else yeah. could have done. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing. Uh, we saw our father. Um, we didn't know he was our father. We wondered why our oh, real wow. father never came and visited us because he had a fake name. Oh, wow. And and when we were old enough to know he was our father, then of course we couldn't call him dad. We couldn't call him daddy. Mm -hmm. The first family could, but we were forbidden to right. refer to him ever mm -hmm. as our father. He wasn't on our birth certificates, and most of us didn't even have birth certificates. We went to school and registered. Uh, who and their father's name has to be put down there. My father's name wasn't put down there. And when <clears throat> when I found out he was my father. Uh, he became my disciplinarian. He he oh. was he didn't bother me. I can never remember that uh, I got a hug or a love from him when I was growing up, and and I came to the point where I believed that no man had the no male had the capacity to love mm -hmm. or feel sympathy or feel sympathetic uh, at all, and my belief in that transferred to God. Mm -hmm. I didn't f think that God loved. Mm -hmm. I didn't think he had the capacity to love. I really didn't. Honestly, I didn't. And so uh, when, when I became a Christian and found out uh, that what I had done transferred the lack of father mm -hmm. to God, and the, 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 the floods, of course, began mm -hmm. coming at a point like yeah. that too. But all of this to lead on to the next topic from your book. 
that's so important, and especially for those out who may be watching the show, who was raised like we were without mm -hmm. a father, whether it's polygamy or not. Right. But without the father, uh, and maybe have escaped from an abusive polygamist home, the deep need that we have for a loving father, mm -hmm. I think is underrated yeah. in a big, big way. I think every child longs for that fatherly affection Mm -hmm. And the, the the protective care, the protection, the provision, <clears throat> all the things that come with the loving, kind father figure that we imagine is available, and that sometimes we see in out in the world or depicted in books or movies. You know, you you see that and you think, oh, that would just be nice. Yeah. And I grew yeah. up longing for that. Yeah. And so and not having it. So, so one I. of the things that I've learned in my journey is that. Um, what, like you were saying, the, the image that we have of God the Father, or Father God, mm -hmm. is usually one that is very similar to how our relationship with our natural Father is. Mm -hmm. And so it was a huge leap of faith for me to finally come into the place where I could know that I had a Heavenly Father that was going yeah. to provision me and protect me and love me unconditionally. And, and promises, right. In mm -hmm. fact, you bring that out so beautifully in your book, I have to quote what you said. It's, it's actually a great, wonderful thing, and I just hope it resonates with our viewers as well. From page 255, I quote, My dad did horrible things to me. He abandoned me. He never once protected me. He couldn't have cared less about me. He actually ordered the deaths of people I loved. Ervil LeBaron was a truly despicable person, but my dad is not my father. God is my father. Even before I knew him, he called my name. He cared about me, and he protected me. God has never required anything from me. I don't have to try to be good enough for him. He loves me anyway. He loves me no matter what. That's what unconditional love is. I've come to the realization that I'm not fatherless. I never was. That's magnificent. And when I read that, because it resonated so deeply with me, it just touched me, and I just wanted to bring that out for so many. I've talked to so many people who've come from polygamy, and, and they just hurt because their father was so cruel to them, never treated them like a loving father should treat a child. Yeah. And, and it's, I want to thank you for writing that. Uh, is there anything you want to add to it? Well, it helped me to have children of my own and to know the capacity with which I loved my own children. And the thing that I was taught the most from having my own children was that there was nothing ever that my children could say or do, or not say or not do, that would ever make them not my children. Right. They're my children because they came and they were born from me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they came through this through and me into this conditional world. love. Yeah, I loved them when they were born and infants and could not do a thing for me. Yeah. They just needed lots of care mm -hmm. and lots of tender mothering. And I loved them unconditionally and I would have given my own life for them. Yes, absolutely. And so if I can love as a human mom a child this way, how much more a Heavenly Father Exactly. Can love me unconditionally, that there's nothing I can say or do or not say or not do yeah. that would ever that would make me love. not his daughter. And that is so true. And that, you know, especially for people who leave polygamy or a false religion hating God, 
which which I did, by the way, because he was an, a, a wrathful father, a, 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 a heavenly policeman, you right. know, not even really a father. Yeah. But to be able to know that he is our father and he has promised to take care of every need. And, and can I tell you when it occurred to me that there was something more than I had experienced? Please. I was a young girl in that little Christian school, and one of the teachers there, we would begin each day with a prayer, and when I heard her pray one time, the first time I heard her pray, she opened her prayer, instead of with the very formal, dear Heavenly Father that I was raised with, her expression was, Father. Mm. And I knew immediately from her tone, from her expression, from the way she said it, mm -hmm. that she had something, something special going there was on something there. special going on there, and I wanted that. Yeah, wow. And let me say, it didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of unlearning mm -hmm. that had to happen. And I was well into my 30s and 40s before those things became a reality for me. I was in my 40s. It was a process. Yeah. Healing is a moment, you know, where you can have certain things happen where you feel a weight lifting. That's a moment. It's like the old new life all yes. over again, isn't it? And then healing is a process. <laughs> and my journey to freedom, my journey to freedom in Christ and finding my identity mm -hmm. as a daughter of of my God heavenly Father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were taught in the polygamy group, we were taught wrong about God. Mm -hmm. And when we leave, we don't know anything different. And I personally didn't want to know anything more about this God that was so horrible. Mm -hmm. And so it took a lot of years. God is so good that He yeah. just patiently he very, let very me run away from Him <laughs> for just so long. And then stopped. He very tenderly yes. led me along. And yeah. I can look back at my life and see his fingerprints, yes. his handprints, all over the events and the circumstances and the people that he brought alongside mm. of me mm. in my healing journey. Isn't that great? Just the right people at the right mm -hmm. time, saying and doing the right things. Mm -hmm. What do you need? Some of them for me was a little bit, you know, pushy, sandpapery, <laughs> but at the same point, that's what I needed at Well, that time. not every single one of those experiences were, would be something I would want to relive. Right. Because it wasn't always just rainbows and butterflies. Exactly. You know, it, the, <laughs> exactly. it was a long journey. And some of it I describe in the book, and not all of it was really pretty. But the, the final result is, you said you came to the point where you prayed to God that even though your earthly father used his spiritual power for evil, mm -hmm. you wanted to use your spiritual power only for good and only for God. Now mm -hmm. that is a switch. That's a, mm -hmm. the, the turnaround that is yes. so awesome. Yes, that was, that was an, a spiritual experience that I had that when it happened, I did not have a grid spiritually to understand what had transpired in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I believe that um, was a big turning point when I cut ties with the spiritual effects of having been born. Yeah into the family of Erbil LeBaron and having the generations of polygamy mm -hmm. that were cut. And they're cut at your point. That, mm -hmm. that is so great. And that my life was, has been different ever since. Is there any event, is there any possibility that anything could separate you from God's love from now mm -hmm. on? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Ever? <laughs> Ever. Anywhere? Ever, ever anywhere. <laughs> At all. There's nothing that I can say or do 
or not say or not do that will separate will, me from his love. That will change his It's life. not up to me. And isn't, is that the message polygamous groups teach their members? No. Not at all. Mm -mm. And that's the tragedy. Mm -hmm. Because they, may, they malign God's word so badly. Mm -hmm. And who God is mm -hmm. so badly. Um, one of the uh, spiritual influencers in my life um, describes freedom this way. Becoming the person that you were created and redeemed to be. Mm. And me mm. coming into my Jeez. own, knowing who I am, knowing that I was born vivacious, born with a lot of energy and an excitement and enthusiasm, very mm. naturally. It comes mm -hmm. naturally to me. And, and having you can be you. Full expression of that <laughs> exactly. has been a lot of fun, let me just say. <laughs> and that's that's praising God for sure that He's brought that out, mm -hmm. that you can be you. You wrote that you gave thanks to God for the for the healing and the mm -hmm. redeeming of your yes. childhood. Mm -hmm. And of course I I can understand that. Anybody who's been in polygamy who watches this will understand the slavishness mm -hmm. that we were to that false god of the polygamy group. Lots of guilt has been healed from your childhood, mm -hmm. from my childhood. And in closing, I would like you to say something, take, maybe take a, a 30 seconds or so, to say something to maybe somebody who's watching the show who wants to keep God at arm's length. What would you say to them? I kept God at arm's length for a long time just because I did not understand just how powerful being in a real relationship with Him would be. And once I was able to kind of pull down some of those barriers that I had put up mm -hmm. and that he was gentleman enough yeah. not to overstep yeah. until I was ready. Um, one of the things that I know is that I've learned a prayer that I say, um, I am willing to be made willing. And that has, you know, when, there, when there's things that it. you want to... Um, strive for mm -hmm. and, and move, work towards and, and move towards, but you don't have the capacity within you at the moment to do that. Yeah. You can be willing to me be made willing, and God will do, and God will do the rest. Mm -hmm. Any right thought I have towards Him, He's previous to that. Yeah. And He's working and moving and orchestrating events and circumstances and people. And He can do that for others too. Thank mm -hmm. you, Anna. Thank you so much for sharing. And we just recommend you go buy her book. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Doris. It's, it, it is indeed God who heals and redeems us and who sets us free from the ugliness of a messed up childhood. It is God who replaces the pernicious doctrines of polygamy and replaces them with his beautiful truths. The pain and the abuses of life in polygamy has violated so many hundreds, even thousands of women and children. And although God may seem to look the other way in reality, he sees it all. God is not the God that I was taught about. Polygamy groups have maligned God's character and even if you have rejected God he still stretches out his loving arms inviting you to let him heal every painful memory of your life in polygamy and we pray that you will discover the height and length and width and depth of God's unconditional love for you we want to thank Hannah for being here and thank you for watching God bless this has been the audio podcast edition of polygamy what love is this this program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. 
If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.